Hello and welcome to Crossroads of Rockland History on WRCR.com. I'm Claire Sheridan from the Historical Society of Rockland County, and today we'll learn about the new, improved Haverstraw Brick Museum and Center for Historic Preservation from my guest, Jared Rodriguez. The Historical Society of Rockland County is a nonprofit educational institution and principal repository for documents and artifacts relating to Rockland County. Our headquarters are a four-acre site featuring a history museum and the 1832 Jacob Lawveld House located at 20 Zucker Road in New City. We're listed on the National Register of Historic Places and a designated New York State Path Through History site. Part of our broad and challenging mission is to share the history of Rockland with the public. Our annual appeal is winding down, but there's still time for you to become a financial supporter of the Historical Society. As a private, nonprofit institution, not a county or state agency, the Historical Society of Rockland depends on charitable contribution to fulfill its educational and preservation mission. You can donate safely online by visiting our website at rocklandhistory.org and clicking the Donate button at the top of the landing page. We'd love to count our radio listeners as financial supporters of the Historical Society of Rockland County. Today's program has been pre-recorded, so we will not be taking any phone calls during the broadcast. And now I'd like to welcome my guest, Jared Rodriguez, to Crossroads. I'd like to welcome you here. We're recording from the Havistraw Brick Museum Center for Historic Preservation. Uh, in the center of the village of Havistraw. Before we begin, speaking about the new and improved museum and Center for Historic Preservation, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. I uh, would characterize myself as an armchair urbanist. Um, I'm very interested in history, and urban places carry a lot of history just due to their their density. Um, They have density of people, density of buildings, um, and Havistraw has an incredible amount of history. Um, I manage energy conservation for a large portfolio of buildings in New York City, uh, um, for a large landlord and developer, uh, and I am involved in municipal consulting. I serve currently as the chairman of the Comprehensive Plan Committee for the Village of Havistra. Um They're updating their comprehensive plan. It hasn't been updated in 20-some-odd years, <laughs> so it's time to update. Um, and I also serve as a board member at the Brick Museum uh, and at Garner Art Center been interested in history really your whole life. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So I think what piqued my interest in history um, is it's a combination of things. It's it's Havistra itself. Uh, it's travel, going to historic places like Colonial Williamsburg or spending a lot of time in Vermont, where there are a lot of preserved New England villages. Um, I think architecture is what really drew me into history. And then also my family. Um, so I have history buffs you know, throughout my family, um, my great grandfather, who I knew, uh, is likely or was likely the last living uh, Havistra brickyard worker. Um, he would tell me stories about Havistra from his childhood. Uh, I heard stories from my other great grandparents that I had in my life, um, and then also just film, uh, art. Uh, you know, everything points to our past. Let's dive in right now with the exploration of the museum. So tell us exactly where we're, we're in this lovely museum. Tell us exactly where it is. So Main Street, center of Havistraw. Uh, we are just east of the Bank Corner, which is the heart of the village of Havistraw. Um, we're actually in a former hardware store. 
that the village of Havistra took over, um, I believe, in the late 80s, maybe early 90s after a fire. Uh, and then luckily granted this space to Pat Gordon, who's the founder of the Havistra Burke Museum, um, which, uh, you know, that team of people together with um, Linda Toniotti and others had a grand opening in 2002. You mentioned Pat Gordon. Um, she started the museum. Who else was involved? Uh, there are 20 some odd founders. Um, I can't go through all of them, but the one that really sort of sticks in my mind besides Pat uh, is Linda Toniotti, my fourth grade history teacher. Um, she was my fourth grade uh, just general teacher at Stony Point Elementary School, and she introduced me to the Havistra Burke Museum um, and just generally to local history in a way that I hadn't been exposed to. And I think she's... You know, I had a love of history prior to her, but I think she really cemented it and made it real um, for a lot of students. Recently, the museum has undergone physical transformation, but along with that, it has an expanded mission. So prior, um, the museum was focused, you know, specifically on the history of the brick industry. Uh, the board felt that, re and this is recently, maybe the last two years, the board felt like that was perhaps too narrow a focus, um, even though there's such a rich industrial history in Havistra. Uh, and so we decided to expand the mission to just general history for the village of Havistra with a focus on the brick industry. Um, and then also... Uh, we are now focused also on preserving um, artifacts that you could see on the floor of the museum and potentially buildings. Uh, and we seek to try to preserve history um, in a way that hasn't been done. So the history of Haverstraw is incredibly rich. There are so many stories to tell, but bricks really are very important. So, I mean, you know, a lot of listeners know about the Industrial Revolution. Havistra was selected as a place for industry for a number of reasons. Um, it was a natural port along the Hudson River. It could ship material not only to, you know, southern parts of the United States via the ocean and New York City, which was the largest commercial market in, in the United States, um, but you could ship to new markets out west and in the Midwest via the Erie Canal. Um, so all communities up and down the Hudson River became these powerhouses uh, and oftentimes places focused on particular industry. Um, the reason why Havistraw focused on brick is because we had vast stores, stores of clay. Um, when Henry Hudson sailed up the Hudson River and, and anchored in Havistraw Bay, you know, he peered across marshland that went almost out into the center of, of Havistraw Bay. Um, and beneath all of that marshland was clay. Uh, today, we look across an open expanse of water because all of that's been excavated. So really, you know, Havistraw is a strategic location for brickmaking, um, not only due to the, the clay stores, but transportation, uh, access to timber, uh, and then eventually the, the railroad industry. So it's the Haverstar Brick Museum and Center for Historic Preservation. Explain why historic preservation was thing that the board wanted to focus on. So we racked our brains over a subtitle for the museum. Um, when, when you say that you're a board member for a brick museum, People sometimes chuckle <laughs> or they're really intrigued. You have a museum about bricks? Well, no, it's not a museum about bricks. 
there are a lot of bricks on display. You know, we have several hundred bricks of different brands on display. You can come and see that. Um, but it's really about the industry that sprung up to produce brick, um, architecture, uh, construction, um, construction methods, uh, and then all of the other activity and historical activity that the industry possible here. As the community developed uh, beyond its um, farm market roots, right, and beyond its Native American roots, mm-hmm. uh, it collected a, a great deal of cultural and, and art and music, something that we'd like to preserve. Uh, and then also collect stories from current residents, um, you know, residents that once lived here. We are blessed uh, at being an amazing immigrant community. Um, waves have, of immigrants have come here. My last name is Rodriguez because I'm from the uh, 1950s post-World War II Puerto Rican immigration wave. Um, I also am you know, a product of the Irish and Italian and German and English and Welsh wave uh, that started really in the late 1700s. So today we're welcoming Central Americans. Um, they are uh, taking the place of Dominicans. Um, and we're, re- we're here to collect their history because it's part of that, those layers of history that continue to be added to the, to the village and the downtown. With the expanded mission has come a beautifully renovated space here that people can visit. Tell us what was done to the physical space. First, I have to thank the people that helped us get here. Um, it's the town of Haverstraw and Supervisor Howard Phillips. Uh, it's the village of Haverstraw and Mayor Michael Cohut. Um, it's the various Rockland County legislators like Jay Hood uh, that really came to our aid and offered not only physical help, but, but a decent amount of funding to get us here. Um, we were also blessed to have a, a decent amount of money saved for a building fund um, and to, to renovate. And so we decided that uh, it was time to turn a new leaf. And so there were so many volunteers that I can't even name uh, that, that came and put a lot of hard work into this place. Yeah, it really is a beautiful space. And the timing is great for this because there's also been projects taking place in the village to enhance the public space. Talk a little bit about the village from that point of view. Sure. So um, Mayor Michael Kohut and his board of trustees uh, embarked on a streetscape. Actually been a long time coming. Uh, Work began, I believe, about three years ago. That work included sidewalks, street trees, crosswalks. Uh, So that work extends all the way to Warren Court on Broadway uh, and then to the waterfront on Main. How will the title manifest itself going forward, just on the day-to-day operation of the museum? So there's a lot of ideas that are sort of coalescing around this change. Um, one of them is, can can we leverage our connections to craftspeople and can we uh, create a body of knowledge to preserve these buildings that were built by hand? Uh, and can we potentially bring back buildings that have... And one of the buildings that comes to mind uh, is the Calvary Baptist Church on Clinton Street. Um, but it is uh, and was a major landmark on the skyline of Havistra. It was a four-faced clock that we could bring back. Placemaking is based on the stories that you hear. Um, and the only real connection to what has happened in the past, the only thing that makes that real for us uh, is places. And It's hard to go to parts of Manhattan 
and imagine the Revolutionary War uh, because those streetscapes have been lost. Um, luckily, we have most of what we had in the 19th century, and we have an opportunity to covet that, uh, and not without growth. There, there are ways to, to stay um, the way we are and also change. We, you know, we think architecture is important. Um, it tells a story. It's important that we, that we save some of it. The facility now has a lovely space devoted to rotating exhibitions. So we have an almost 50-foot-long wall for rotating exhibits. Uh, the current exhibit that's up is Bob Burkhart, who's a famous Rocklander. He helped found um, Rockland Community College, SUNY Rockland. Uh, and he was, he was actually an amazing man. He was an engineer. Um, he looked at our landscapes and our communities in a way that other people hadn't. Um, he saw, like sort of like Norman Rockwell, he saw... Uh, he saw in our buildings and our places um, the community that was being supported. Um, and he captured a lot of places that no longer exist and a way of life, really, that doesn't exist. We decided to take our collection um, plus uh, lent art from um, a number of, uh, you know, our members. So Haverstraw is lucky because there are so many artists living locally. Um, we plan to have exhibitions on, on local art not just his, history oriented, um, although there are artists that uh, are now part of our history, like Ted uh, Ludwizak um, and his carved stone heads. Um, other artists, other local artists, uh, other exhibits that are history oriented, um, where we might focus on on the railroads, uh, we might focus on the steamship industry, um, Havistra's past architecturally, architectural history. Uh, and you know we're we're flexible, so we would accept proposals from you know any any organization that wants to tell a story that might have an impact on on the village. You're listening to WRCR.com and Crossroads of Rockland History. I'm Claire Sheridan, and I'm speaking with Jared Rodriguez about the new and improved Haverstraw Brick Museum and Center for Historic Preservation. The mu- museum is run by a volunteer board of trustees, right? And are there opportunities for the community members to volunteer? Absolutely, yeah. So we're, we are establishing hours. Currently, we're open by appointment. Um, we have not established permanent hours. Um, and so right there <laughs> is a great place to help us. Uh, we need uh, docents. We need folks that can man the door. And so I think that that's... You know that's that's what we're looking for, uh, and we are we are looking for additional board members as well, uh, and then you know people that want again people that want to tell a story, um, anyone that wants to come to us with a proposal to put on a show, uh, you know we're we're welcoming that. Tell us a piece of Haverstraw history that few people know. There are multiple. This is really difficult. There's so there's so much. I'll say just briefly a couple of them. Um, one is the birthing of Tin Pan Alley Jazz with George M. Cohan. Parents were on the vaudeville circuit, uh, and he spent a lot of time sitting on his stoop on Jefferson Street. Southern African-American workers below him in the clay pit. It, it truly is where he was exposed to that sound. Um, he was also exposed to, to Jews and their music. 
And so what better way to blend a sound and be exposed to it um, than living living with these people? Haverstraw was always multicultural. Um, it always had people from, of different races, of different religions and cultures living very close to one another, sometimes in the same building, um, much like New York City. Uh, and I, I truly believe that he was influenced. Um, I know from my own uh, great-grandfather that he was uh, heavily influenced by the, the uh, jazz and African-American music and culture um, because he lived in Havistra. And this was in a ton of an Italian immigrant. Um, but he, he knew jazz and he, he connected with it and he connected with African-American culture. Um, that's something that we don't often discuss. You know, this was, this was a white man uh, in the early part of the 20th century connecting with African-Americans. And so I think that happened with George M. Cohan. Um, he came from a musical family and he, he found into, into what made him famous and, you know, groundbreaking with Broadway. Um, so I think that's something that a lot of people don't really know um, that, that should be shared. Um, the other thing that's incredible to me is the silent film history here. We kind of talked about that a little bit before the, before the recording. Um, the first phantom ride in history, and a phantom ride was effectively someone strapping themselves to the front of a locomotive with a film camera, uh, was done in Havistra, and it's called Through the Havistra Tunnel. And it was a sensation. Um, this was when film was brand new, late 1890s, mid-1890s. Uh, it had just come over from France, um, and people were experimenting with film. And they weren't really doing it so much in New York City. Like There, there were studios in Queens, in Astoria, um, but there were a lot of studios in Fort Lee. Uh, and the silent film actors spent a lot of time during the summer uh, in, in Rockland. Um, uh, Adolf Zucker, Bickford, Charlie Chaplin. Um, and so you had a group of people up here that were, you know, sometimes bored during the summer and they experimented. Marcus Lowe of Lowe's Theaters. Um, and, and so the, the Phantom Ride is like truly amazing because it made people feel like they were moving in the theater. Um, and, and we take that for granted. Uh, film immediately put cameras on rails and they did panning and moving shots. Um, and films like Birth of a Nation, right, which kind of uh, sort of distill all the, de the techniques of early film into one film, you know, controversial film, pretty terrible film. Um, but if, if you look at it from just a uh, film technique standpoint, um, it is the first film to take experiments that happened in the Hudson Valley. Um, so I think that's something that no one knows. I tell very, people that. Very few people know very that. Very few people yeah. know that. Um, the other thing that I'm shocked by when I learned this was uh, an Owenite community called the Franklin community was founded here. And this was a communist commune, not make a salary. There will be no religion. Uh, and they created a commune where the current village mill is, or the Gurney Avenue Tunnel. That was a silk mill. And... Um, I believe they took over the silk mill uh, to produce goods. They, they needed some level of income to survive, um, but they did it cooperatively. Um, Robert Owen is a pretty major player on the scene in the 19th century um, promoting, promoting communism. Um, and he came to the United States and, and saw uh, a lot of opportunities to, to create 
communes, um, and he did one in in Havistra. And the reason why it failed really was because they were preaching the um, like atheistic ideas, uh, and the community rejected that. So this again, this was a community of um, you know many Irish Catholic immigrants. Uh, and they rejected that that concept, and that's one of the reasons why it failed. And you can research this; it's just absolutely incredible. Yeah, it, it, I yeah. I know I know of that, and it yeah. is amazing. I mean, I think there are so many amazing stories to tell. It's just really incredible. And I, in spite of you know, sometimes at the Historical Society of Rockland County, we feel like we're a bo- broken record. But every time we'll you know mention something, someone will say, "I never knew that," you know, or "I never." heard that before so you know it it it's important that we continue to talk about this and do further research and very important and i appreciate i think think if we can share these things and they realize like their their community is influential on a national stage you know we impacted the united states and i think have more pride i totally agree and i i often say i probably say this you know once a show if you think about American history, something in Rockland County that can tie you to that, some place, person, event right here in Rockland that can that you can learn about that event, whether it's peace, women's history, black history, I mean, industry, you could just go on and on. There's something here that you could tie it to that so that you can be proud of where you live. You're a sleepy little county, the smallest county in the state, but there's so much that happened here. It's... It's very important that we that we continue to to share that. There are going to be some important dates coming up that are going to do involve some, a, a, some of the arts and culture pieces. Can you talk about when those are and how people can get involved? June is just jam packed. <laughs> there's there's a lot happening in June uh, on June second. Uh, have a straw river wide arts uh, comprehensive plan committee for the village will be there taking feedback. Uh, about the comp plan, um, about downtown design, um, uh, discussing how the community developed um, with, at the food crawl, which is exciting. Um, so you can come and have a beer and talk about planning with the comp plan committee uh, on June 2nd. Um, on June 8th, uh, the village of Havistraw and the Havistraw Burke Museum and actually other organizations uh, is sponsoring a history tour, which I, I will lead. Um, we are also producing a guidebook. Um, we'll break for lunch at Union Restaurant. So it's a it's a lot of walking. There's a lot of information. I know each time I give the tour, my voice is gone by the end. Um, but it's actually an amazing opportunity to learn things that you haven't heard. Um, so we're calling it a secret history of Havistraw uh, because there's there's a lot of information that you just haven't learned. Um, so I think that's an, that's another event that's fantastic and everyone should join. Um, and then also uh, the following weekend, there are a number of events related to Juneteenth. And we have a fantastic organization in the village of Havistraw called the African American Connection. I highly recommend attending that. There's a lot of discussion of history, Havistraw history, um, and very rich and very deep. And that sort of rounds out June. We'll be holding events uh, regularly at the museum, havistrawbrickmuseum.org. Will the facility be open regularly? How, it, will it be open on the weekends or weekdays? Yeah. So um, again, we, you know, we're open by appointment. You can you can call or email us. Um, you know, we're happy to meet you here and give you a private tour, which is kind of cool. <laughs> uh, 
but we plan on having regular hours, probably starting with Sunday. Is there going to be a grand opening? Havistro celebrates its 165th birthday. Um, the incorporation of the municipality uh, happened 165 years ago. Um, we are having a gala at the Havistra Oaks Club with the Havistra Fire Department and the, and the village of Havistra uh, government. That will be at 7 p.m. Uh, we encourage as many attendees as effectively our grand opening and we'll be kicking off a fireman's exhibit. Also fantastic because the different fire departments of the village of Havistra there are many. We don't have one. We have multiple. We have ladder companies, engine companies, um, multiple historic firehouses. Um, they are uh, graciously lending their historic artifacts. Tell us again the website. Havistrabrickmuseum.org. So the website also be updated, so look out for that. That website has not been updated in a very long time. We focused on updating the physical museum first, uh, and we will be updating the website shortly. So that's all the time we have for today. Thank you, Jared Rodriguez, for being part of Crossroads of Rockland History. Please remember that everything we talked about, as well as a recording of this broadcast, will be available on our website, rocklandhistory.org. We hope you'll tune in to the next episode of Crossroads of Rockland History on Monday, April 15th, right after the Steve and Jeff Morning Show. We have exciting upcoming events, exhibitions, and programs at the Historical Society. Our annual dinner will take place on March 31st, and our new exhibition focusing on the art and history of South Mountain Road will open in mid-April. I hope you will go to our website, rocklandhistory.org, to learn about all of our upcoming events, exhibitions, and programs. We also have a calendar there that lists all the upcoming history events throughout Rockland County. Please follow us on Facebook, where we have a growing group of friends and fans. You can also find us tweeting on Twitter, blogging on Tumblr, and posting on Instagram. And please do come visit us in New City. Thanks for listening to Crossroads of Rockland History on WRCR.com. 